It is Thursday, June 1st, 2023. This is another edition of Baseball Today. That is my man, Trevor Plouffe. I am Chris Rose, producer Dan, along for the ride as well. We are super excited, not only because it's the beginning of a brand new month, but we continue on with our relationship on the AMP app. For those of you that uh, that didn't join us live on our show before, you have the opportunity to do it yet again. We have rejuvenated our relationship. So make sure you download the AMP app. It's available on your iPhone and on Android, we believe, as well. So that means you can join us for part of the community. You will get to listen to this part of the show that is out in podcast and YouTube version. But then afterward, we exchange thoughts in our little community there as well. You guys ask us questions. You give us your thoughts on what's going on in the baseball world or the rest of life. And it's kind of a cool way to uh, break down that wall. Right, Ploofy? It is. We let our hair down. That's what we say once we get off the YouTube portion onto the Strictly Ant portion. Things get a little bit wild. We kind of get off course, yeah. but we still, I think the best part of that portion is we bring in people, you know, to ask questions and we get to really interact with, you know, our fan base and our community that we have here and that we love so much and that we've missed. Yes. Yes. So it's good we're back. We appreciate Amp and uh, John Boy continuing that partnership. Let's get it going. Uh, All-Star Ballots came out yesterday for the first time. Game will be played in the middle of July up in Seattle. I want you to give one guy in each league that fans should make sure that they do not overlook during the voting process. You ever heard of the Mario Brothers? You ever heard of them? Super Mario Bros? Of course. Oh, okay. I don't know. I mean, it could be before your time or after your time, I guess I should say. I was going to say. I'm going to go with. Very little is uh, before my time. Let's start with that. I messed that one up. Uh, I'm going to go with two guys who aren't brothers but share the same last name. In the National League, I'm going to go with Elias Diaz, the catcher for the Rockies, who is having a great year. And one of the reasons I picked this guy, we could talk about his numbers, uh, 870 OPS uh, from the catcher's position, which is – you know, when you talk about catchers, you want defense first. If you get any offense, it's a bonus. This guy has been incredible. But I picked him because I saw an interview he did with our Kelsey Wingert. And he said he made an adjustment at the plate, opened his front foot up a little bit, cleared some space, and ever since then, he's been hitting. I love guys to make adjustments, and especially when those adjustments come with results. So, you know, he's on the Rockies. I know one person makes it from each team, but I want to make sure that people know what he's doing. He's had a really great start to the year. He's racked up 2.2 baseball reference war already. Uh, So he should make the all-star team. I don't want people to forget about him. And then on the other side, I said these were bros. They're not bros, but they share the same last name. I'm talking Yandy Diaz on the Rays. Now, the reason I bring him up is, People know he's having a great year, but there's so many guys on the Rays having great years that he might get overlooked. I'm sure people are going to vote in Wander and Shane McClanahan and probably the best to ever do it, Randy Rosarena. But there's there's probably like six or seven guys that deserve to be yeah. uh, on that team, and maybe that's why you're wearing the Rays hat. But Yandy, on the year, do you like 410 on base percentage, Chris? Do you like that? Because I do. And that's what he's got, a 990 OPS. So the powers come. The on base has always kind of been there for him. Um he deserves it. I hope he doesn't get overlooked by some of his teammates. So those are my two guys. Yeah, I was wearing the Rays hat because of Yandy Diaz. In fact, his 12 homers is too shy of a career high. So he's going to have his career high in homers by the All-Star break. He has been a tone setter, a difference maker. 
you're right. Everybody looks at Wander and uh, his war, and everybody looks at Randy Rosarena and the, you know, with the stare down and him being the guy that really stirs the drink down there. Uh, Josh Lowe has had a phenomenal start to the season as well. But, yeah, Yanni Diaz is just quietly a tone center down there. He really is. He's done a phenomenal job. So, yeah, I, you, you kind of stole my guy. Yeah, that's all right. I should have sent you an ESP signal last night to say I was going to do that. I like 90. that we both chose him. That's that's good. I think yeah. that he deserves I mean, a 990 OPS. I'm going right now to see what the leaderboard is and see like where he ranks on that, but it's, it's got to be close. I think he's third. I think he's third. He is third behind Judge and Freeman. Good company to keep right there. Yeah. National League, I too am going to go with a guy in the NL West. We talked about him on yesterday's show, Corbin Carroll. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, I can't believe it, but the Diamondbacks are a half game back of the Dodgers in the National League West. We're through nine weeks of the season, basically. This is no longer a joke. It's it's not like the cute little story. Like, this is a legit team. And you're talking about a guy who was given a nine-figure contract before the season started, and boom, he has taken and, and run with it. And part of the reason I've been impressed, I've talked to a ton of guys over the years who said they felt more pressure once they got their big deal because they didn't want to disappoint anybody. Because it, it he, they said that it, it's easier when you're hungry. When you're hungry and you're chasing after that carrot, you want to go get it, and you know you know part of the reason you're playing is you want to go get those big dollars. Well, damn, once you get the big dollars, especially younger in your career, then it changes. You no longer go from the guy who, oh, okay, well, maybe he's a tent pole for our organization to, you better be the motherfucking man. And Corbin Carroll is that. He's a stud. I, I remember talking to Longo about him early in the year, I think in spring training. I said, tell me about this guy. Is he real deal? And he said, he has, it's freak. he's a freak athlete and he has sneaky pop. And he's shown that. So the slug right now is at yeah. 519 for a guy that's Pretty the good. fastest dude in the league too. That's that's elite, and I guess you're picking him because you think everyone's going to vote for Zach Gallen and not have him on there. Because well, I feel like a lot of people are talking about Corbin Carroll. Yeah, um, it's just I want I want to make sure that he's he's a young, exciting player, and mm-hmm. I know Acuna's going to get in as well. He should. People will probably vote for Mookie Betts in the outfield, and that's perfectly fine. Like. I want to see Mookie in the all-star game every year too. I just think he's phenomenal. Um, You know, I don't know who the other person would be outside of those two, I guess, outfield wise. There's somebody we're missing. That's obvious. Usually it would be Harper, but obviously he can't. I didn't even notice if Harper was put on as a DH or an outfielder. Did you notice? I didn't. Don't put me on the spot like this. Come on. That's not nice of you. Well, no, but it's fine. It's fine to have it. Probably a DH, right? Probably. He should have been a DH. At the very least. Well, you know what? In the comments section of our YouTube channel, put who you would say should not be overlooked AL and NL-wise. He is a DH, according to um, producer Dan. Good job. All right, Shohei, a couple of bombs yesterday. Holy smokes, a total over 900 feet, I believe. Trout added one as well. Angels improved to 5-0 and when both of those studs go deep in the same game. Halos now have four games in Houston starting tonight. How big a series is this for L.A.? I think they're all big series now for this team. I mean, look, I think they're going to keep Shohei through the year. I don't see any other way unless something drastic happens and they fall completely out of contention. So these are all big series because 
we think that the AL East might have all the three representatives for the wild card section. So that means they got to go win this division, you know, so it's either you win your division or you force your way into one of those wild card spots. And it starts now, like you have to start beating <clears throat> these good teams. You know, I just watched the twins go take two out of three from the Astros. It wasn't easy, but they did it. And that's what it's going to take for the angels to stay in and then have any chance to keep Shohei around. Um, he wants to win. They haven't won since he's been there. We've talked about this a ton, but it, it bears repeating because it is important. I think that's the most important thing for them right now is to be continue to be competitive. Because I think it's a really good baseball team. So continue to be competitive, but you got to win series like this against these good teams, especially in your division. Um, if you want to make sure you're going to get into the playoffs and can cause some damage. So I, I think it is a big series. And I think that I mentioned this last night on the post game show for the twins, you know, a lot of times you'll talk to major league baseball players and they'll say, Oh, this series doesn't mean anything. We don't care who we're playing, but that's BS. Like these series against teams that have beaten you and teams that are perceivedly better than you uh, mean a little bit more. So to go in and, and take this series and kind of like put that in their back pocket and say, Hey, this is what we can do against these good teams. I think is important. So you have Shohei and you got, you got to beat these good teams to make the playoffs. So I think it is a really important series for them in part because they've been thumped by the Astros in recent times. Uh, they did lose their only series they played against them earlier this year. Not a huge deal. But when you add on top of it that they went 6-13 and 13 against the Astros a season ago, it's like, all right, Chip, we, we got to get going here a little bit. I have thought of it this way. I want Shohei to stay because I want to see both he and Mike Trout in the playoffs. We've talked about our affinity for this team that we're both rooting for them to make it at least as a wild card, which by the way, I don't just because the AL East has been studly for the first, you know, almost nine weeks of the season doesn't mean that that will continue. There could be a team or two that fall off and the angels are only a couple of games out of the final wild card spot. I think we'll get three teams though, from that division. One's going to win and at least two wild cards. So I would say least, I would, yeah, I would agree with that, but I don't know if all three, Wild sure. cards will come from there. Um, what is the number that the Angels have to be out of a playoff chase in order for them to seriously consider trading Shohei? It's just such a tough spot for. Them. I don't envy their position whatsoever. I mean, yeah, you have Shohei so what's now. What's the number? But... Come what? Give me a date. Well, come okay, so let's say it's beginning July. of July. No, no, no. Let's say it's July 20th. So let's say there's still a week and a half before the deadline. I think it's got to be like five games or more out of a playoff spot. I think that's, yeah, and and everybody's got to be healthy in order for for you for him to stick around. Like if somebody's hurt that you're like, oh, God, we really can't get past that injury. Then you have to seriously consider trading him. I hope it doesn't come to that, but could you imagine a trade deadline where Shohei is available? I can. I've thought about it a lot, but to be honest with you, we all have. And again, you know, I feel bad for Angels fans because this obviously is hanging over their head, but it's the reality of the situation that they're in. It is. We can't just we can't just not mention it and like say, "Oh, look, it's fine. He's on the team now." Like this is it's the reality, and I think they all know that. Uh, I think this year's gone well for them. Fifteen and thirteen in April. Fifteen and thirteen in May. Probably gonna have to do a little bit better than that going forward. You know, try not to have any losing months. You know, continue to play good baseball. They've done everything they can. 
to stay in contention so far. I know, but a couple games over 500 ain't going to cut it, bro. And and that's why every series, to get back to the original question here, yet they've got to take three or four. They have to start moving up the ladder a bit more. Just like I watched last weekend's series against the Marlins. You can't get swept at home by the Marlins. I get it. Miami's playing good baseball, but geez, that cannot happen. In a year where you've got let now two months to decide on the future of your franchise, perhaps. Woo! So right now they are three games back of a wild card spot. If I'm reading that correctly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which is, you know, they're, they're a half game above the twins who are leading the AL central, but still three games back of a playoff spot right now. All right. LA's other team, the Dodgers, they did win a series against the Washington Nationals. However, they lost um, the series finale Wednesday afternoon. Nats went deep five times, including three against the Dodgers starter, Noah Syndergaard. His ERA is now over six and a half. And after the game, he is looking for answers. I was trying to to make those adjustments, but just uh, trying to make these big adjustments during starts or in between starts just isn't... um, the easiest you know i'd give my hypothetical firstborn to be the old me again um and i'll do everything possible to uh to get back to that his hypothetical firstborn okay a little much (laughs) it depends depends what the kids like i suppose but the big question is should the dodgers continue to let Syndergaard try and rediscover his old form every five days or not at this point, I don't know if they really have a choice. Uh, they're kind of banged up, but as soon as Urias comes back, you might want to do something like a phantom IL and just try to fix them on the backfields, if you will, because it is tough for them to continue running them out there. If you, if you if you're saying this to the media, it's obviously in your head, it's in your body. Like the confidence is shot. And you can't really – you don't want that out of a starting pitcher. Now, does he still have some stuff in the tank? Maybe. Like, they, he's talking about making big adjustments, and it's hard to do that between starts. Okay, well, how about we give you three weeks to do it, make those big adjustments, see if we can get you back to some of those metrics that we like. Uh, but like I said, right now, there, there's just too many guys on the on the IL for him to not make the start. You know, Michael Grove is already up. Uh, Gavin Stone's been giving a couple chances. He hasn't p- pitched particularly well. Would he be better than Syndergaard in this spot right now? I'm not so sure. Uh, but once Urias comes back, I feel like that's probably what they will do. Like, he'll get out of the rotation. Whether that means he's going to go into a long roll in the bullpen or, like I said, a phantom and try to figure things out, I'm not so sure. But, like, I think the main thing here is with Syndergaard, you don't really want to be putting a guy out there whose confidence is shot like this. And, and, it is shot or else he wouldn't be going and talking like this to the media. Well, Dave Roberts was asked about Syndergaard sticking in the rotation. He would not commit to him on his next turn through in Cincinnati next week. He wouldn't do that. And I think that's all you need to understand because Grove's actually going to start Saturday against the Yankees. Um, And if you look at their schedule, they have the next two Mondays off, I believe. So they probably won't even need a guy they could push. And I think they could get through the next couple, you know, at least next week and a half with probably only four starters. If they had to, maybe you do a bullpen game 
depending on how that bullpen's hanging in then there. Do you just put them in the bullpen for just in case for emergencies? Because right now it's Kershaw, it's Bobby Miller, it's Tony Gonsolin, and Michael Grove, and then Syndergaard. So if you're not going right. to use a fifth starter, then do you just put them in the bullpen and say, hey, like, well, break glass in well, case of where, emergency? Or this is where I would need to lean on your lean on your expertise. How much work can guys who are in the bullpen and have to be available on certain days, how much work can they do on the side? Not that much, to be honest with you, because you, when you don't know when you're going to come in, when you are a right. quote unquote mop up guy, it's like, you can't go and say, I'm going to throw a 50 pitch bullpen. Right. You can't. So you have to be ready at, at any given moment. So if you, if he wants to get fixed and, and he thinks he needs to make some big mechanical, he said in the, in the, another quote in that interview, he said like, my body is just all over the place. My mechanics aren't mm -hmm. right. So, like, he's saying he needs to make a big adjustment. Then he needs time to do it. And if they can come up with, like, a aggravated calf or something like that and put him on the IL and say, hey, let's work through some stuff. We'll put you in front of the cameras, throw some bullpens, get you some work down in AAA, then maybe that's what they have to do. Well, I would say this. If you just look at his numbers and, you know, he was injured for so long within the last few years, he hasn't been an above average starter really since 2018. And that's not to be, we're not here to pile on, but if you have to look at the big picture here, the guy averages 6.3 Ks per nine. I mean, this is Thor. This is the dude who in 2015, nobody wanted to step into the batter's box against this guy. And now they're racing to the bat rack. So I would say that I would say the Phantom injured list is is in his future, if I had to guess. I think that's yeah, because stuff to just cut him. You're paying him a decent amount, and you know if you think you can still figure mil. some stuff out, like you might as well just do that. Yeah, but if it comes down to it, listen, the Dodgers aren't going to want to screw around with this thing. You know yeah. they they want to win ball games, and at the end of the day, if they have to end up eating seven or eight million bucks. They're one of the teams that could chomp on that and not bite so hard. All right, first day of June. Which disappointing team so far is going to finally crank it up this month and make a huge leap in the standings? The team that I'm picking is 29th in batting average, 22nd in OBP, 23rd in OPS, 24th in runs, but they are just not that bad of an offense. I'm going out sort of on a limb here, but it's kind of an obvious answer too, if that makes any sense. I'm picking the Padres. They just can't okay. be that bad. They just can't be that bad offensively. Now, like the pitching's actually held up pretty good. Like the bullpens looked okay. Uh, Haters has blown some saves uh, as of late, but he'll be okay. I don't think that's anything bad or stuff-wise, just kind of one of those stretches where it happens. Uh, but this offense has to get going. At some point. And then if you look at the schedule, I know we don't always like to do that. You know, they no, nope. it's not it's not too difficult of a schedule for them in June. You got the Cubs for four, they're kind of going through some things, although they did just shut down the Rays a little bit. Uh then you got the Guardians, they you know, they haven't hit much. Uh you have the Nationals, you have the Pirates, you have the Reds. Like there is some opportunity here for them to, you know, pick up some victories and win some series. Uh so I think Partly schedule, and then partly because I just believe that this offense is going to get it going. The Padres are a team that I look to at least have a winning month in June. How about that? 
Yeah, I, I I look at them and I'm like, at some point, it just can't possibly be this bad, can it? But let's remember, you know, Machado isn't there. We don't know exactly when he's coming back. He said, I'm not going to be close to 100% the rest of the year. So none of that is good. Uh, and I almost went with them, to be honest with you. I, it was pretty close. Um, instead, I'm going to go with a team that it has been so out of character what happened, particularly the first month of their season with the whole Tyler O'Neill stuff and weird shit happening left and right, the Wilson Contreras. The Cardinals, they're in the right division to be seven games under 500. They're 25 and 32, but they're only five out. The Brewers can't run away from anybody. The Pirates have kind of been treading water after that really hot start. The Cincinnati Reds are far and away the team that's playing the best in that division. And if you want to get on their bandwagon, I would say go for it. They're a young, young, fun, exciting team that might even get more young and more exciting with Eli De La Cruz fast approaching the major league roster at some point. But the Cardinals, with as many proven guys as they have on this team, they cannot just be stepping in shit every week. At some point, that's going to stop. And I think part of it is because the rest of the division is not great. And I think part of it is that I believe in their system to at least get them to 500 somewhere. I think both those teams are kind of the teams that everyone would pick just because there's preseason expectations and, and very well-known names on the roster. Now it doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes teams like that just struggle all year long and there's really no rhyme or reason, just a bad year. Uh, but I like that one too. I, I, I do believe in both these teams, at least getting back into the race at some point. And by the way, if I had to pick a runner-up in that category of a team that I'd say can maybe crank it up a little bit, the Seattle Mariners. They've kind of been just yeah. hovering around 500 all year. But we saw what, like, George Kirby did last night. And, you know, I just believe in that pitching staff. And at some point, the offense will, will Agreed. catch up. I almost went with them as well. But I feel like I always talk about the Mariners. And, I, you know what, I don't want to be under their thumb. So I said, you know what, I'm not going to pick you. <laughs> All right, last thing. Um, there's a report out there that the same people who did the Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, are also going to come out with a Barry Bonds documentary. How much does that pique your interest? It definitely piques my interest. I mean, this was a guy who was, you know, when I was coming up as a young kid loving baseball, he was the face of baseball. I mean, he was everywhere. Can't I mean, talk about like, the epitome of can't miss at bat. Like when Barry Bonds was at the plate, you couldn't, you had to watch him hit. He was that good. Uh, I do have a funny Barry Bonds story. I don't know if I've told this before. Um, actually, this is great because I'm going to tie it all into my Twins fandom as well. Rocco Baldelli and I talked about hanging one day uh, and we didn't even know it. Brad Penny used to throw these Halloween parties and Rocco apparently was living with him at the time. I didn't know that. But we would go to these parties. I was I was going with Braun and Delman, and Rocco was there too. Chuck Liddell was like naked in the pool. Big crazy parties, right? Hey now. So yeah, it was it was wild. But I'm there with my brother, and uh, I was dressed up as Kobe. I had my Kobe jersey on, and he goes, "Oh my god, that's the that's the best Barry Bonds costume I've ever seen." And there was a guy sitting at the table, and I looked at him. I said, "That is Barry Bonds." 
So Barry Bonds is there as well, but he was so <laughs> he was so skinny at the time that my brother just thought this guy was was like trying to dress up as Barry Bonds for Halloween. Uh, but I'm definitely interested in this. I mean, it's it's he's such a polarizing name in the world of baseball because half the people say this guy had two careers, two separate Hall of Fame careers. You know, when he pre and post steroids, and some people said he never really got caught taking steroids. And then there's the other half that just can't stand the guy. So he's so polarizing. There's one thing you can't deny. I mean, he was the best hitter in the game for a long time. And the seat, go look at his numbers. I mean, they're all time. They're like, they're like best of all time number type stuff there. It's, it's incredible. So I'm interested in his documentary for sure. I'll be curious to see how much he is willing to talk about the clear and the cream and stuff like that. Because if he, if he doesn't, then you're just going, okay, what, what are we doing here? Because I would like to hear what his, his thoughts are, his thoughts on not being in the Hall of Fame, about maybe why he ended up doing stuff. You know, was it, I want to hear it out of his mouth. Was it because McGuire and Sosa were getting so much love and he's sitting there going, Jesus, those guys can't hold my jock. So I got to at least try and physically keep up with them just to show that I can lap them up when it comes to baseball skill. Like, obviously – that's a big part of his narrative. Uh, I, too, have a Barry Bonds story. On the Best Damn Sports Show period, obviously, we spent a ton of time talking about him and, you know, when the grand jury was coming out and all that sort of stuff. The book that was written with him on the cover. And I took the stance, like, why would he take this? Why does he need to do this? And I had the guy, the rest of the panel, yelling at me about, well, he hasn't been found you know he's never tested positive all that sort of stuff so i was playing the other side of this because i did believe it at the time i was like why is he cheating he doesn't need to cheat if he's this good and you don't ever know who's listening when you do these sort of shows well we're at a charity event out here in la and barry bonds is at a table a few from me and we make eye contact now i had never met him in person at this point and he goes like this and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so I told I turned to Michelle. I was like, you got to come with me. She's like, what? I was like, Barry Bonds just called me over. He won't punch me if you're next to me. So we go up. <laughs> Good point. I stick my hand out and he gives me a big hug. And I was like, how you doing, Barry? He's like, great. He's like, I really, really like you on that show. He's like, you do a great job and you're with my boys and hanging out with them. And, you know, why don't why don't you ever have me on? I'm like. What do you mean, why don't we ever have you on? Because we can't get to you. So we had a very nice conversation. It was interesting. I will admit I was scared shitless at the time. I was still kind of, I was probably in my early 30s at that point and trying to make my way in this business. And it was scary. But <laughs> that's the thing with Bonds that you've always heard. There's two sides to him, man. There is grumpy as shit, sit in three recliners in a locker room, and then he can be the most charming person around ever. I mean, look, this guy's extremely talented. I have three things to talk to you about. Number one, you use your wife as a human shield. Don't know how I feel about Absolutely. it now that I've thought about it. Number no, two, great. <laughs> <laughs> number two, Jackson in our chat says he hasn't committed to the documentary at all, but there's still like a they can still add him if he decides to join the documentary. So we we might so wait not a even second. see him in this thing, which is gonna suck. Uh, oh, number and then terrible. number three, 
Guess what his on base percentage was in 2004. Just give it a guess. I I think it was like 618 or something. 609. <laughs> yeah, crazy, right? On base percentage 609 I know, but that's, that's some guys OPSs. I know, but look at the um look at the number of intentional walks he got that year. Didn't he get 130 some intentional walks? In 2001, 515, 2002, 582, 2004, 2003, 529, 2004, 609. That is insane. That's unreal. Yeah. He had in that, oh my God, he had 120 intentional walks. 120. In, yeah. That's more than, than most seasons the league leader has in walks, period. <laughs> That's insane. So now I feel like shit after you pointed out that I had used Michelle as a human chest. <laughs> Dang it. Went over there and took your beating, bro. I should have. But I'm <laughs> I'm such a puss. You know, people know that. It's just terrible. Uh I know we didn't mention I mentioned George Kirby by name. Awesome job last night. I think eight shutout innings. Louis Varland of the yes. uh twins, seven shutout innings. Unbelievable. Tommy Henry trying to make his way in Arizona in that rotation. He pitched six or seven shutout innings as they won against the Rockies. Uh, I didn't want to get through the show without mentioning them because they all deserve a little bit of that right there. Awesome to be back on AMP. If you want to join us live every day, check our social media accounts because sometimes the live show time jumps around Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It's usually around noon Eastern, Tuesday, Thursday, around 1130 a.m. Eastern. But please join us so you can be part of the discussion. It's part of our John Boy Media community. Quick reminder, Blitzball Battle 3 continues tonight with our semifinal. Uh, it's going to be a blast. A big game. Huge game, 6 o'clock Eastern. Join all of us in the chat. Uh, for our one-of-a-kind producer, Dan Rourke, and the always entertaining Trevor Plouffe, who made me feel like shit because my wife is a human shield <laughs> against Barry Bonds. I am Chris Rose. We will see you Friday on Baseball Today.